Good morning, everyone, on this beautiful Eastern Easter morn. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion with our subject today, Are Sin, Disease, and Death Real? We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. We welcome you all, and we'll start this morning with our morning prayer. I'm reading Mrs. Eddy's Easter message of 1902. Most of it, anyway. <laughs> he said, and, and, and a line from page 277 of miscellaneous writing. May this glad Easter morn find the members of this dear church having a pure peace, a fresh joy, a clear vision of heaven here, heaven within us, and an awakened sense of the risen Christ. May long lines of light pan the horizon of their hope and brighten their faith with a dawn that knows no twilight and no night. May those who discourse music today sing as the angels' heaven symphonies that come to the earth. May the dear Sunday school children always be gathering Easter lilies of love with happy hearts and ripening goodness. He said today, may they find some sweet scents and beautiful blossoms in their leader's love, which he sends to them this glad morn in the flowers and the cross from pleasant view smiling upon them. The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice. Mary Beautiful. Thank you so much, Florence. All right, the watching point. Watch number 236. Watch lest you fail to see the importance of striving to lose sight of a material sense of yourself as the practitioner as much as you do the material sense of your patient in healing the sick. Mrs. Eddy once said, quote, how many Christian scientists give treatments as though they knew that mind really heals the sick? The real thing is the presence of mind and the realization that there is no other presence. Do not be afraid to take this stand and demonstrate it. Make God all, for God is all, and there is nothing else. It is just as though mind were saying, I am here, and there is nothing else here. I am the practitioner, and I am the patient, and there is nothing else, and neither can be, other than I am. It is this infinity, this infinite presence, that makes disease impossible. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, beautiful. Who would like to comment on that? Well, it reminds me of the to the watchers thing that we have from Watchers, Prayers, and Arguments given by Mary Baker Eddy we include it on all of our unity watches and it just says you are not to come in your own name to pray and you are not to control any mind you're to come only in the divine strength and know that god will rule and does uh, just reminded me of that thank you I, that is such a good prayer it's it's really important to say that before any prayer any watched impersonalize it and that's why we have it every time we give a watch message that watch is on there anyone else it made me think of what must have been going on in the tomb when jesus you know the three days you know this is this is what he was demonstrating the allness of god it wasn't him healing himself or binding things up or bringing his life back thank you that's exactly right And Jesus proved this uh, by even when somebody was like Lazarus, for example, 
and Jairus' daughter, he only saw God. I mean, he saw perfection, eternality. And so there was, there was never any sickness here that he's overcoming or anything. He was always seeing God's allness. And I think in a way it's an obedience to the first commandment too. Yes, it is. And that goes with in the lesson that Jesus beheld in signs the perfect man who appeared to him where sinning mortal man appears to mortals. And this perfect man, the Savior, saw God's own likeness. And, the, and this correct view of man healed the sick. Thus, Jesus taught that the kingdom of God is an intact, universal, and that man is pure and holy. And here we were taught, as I've mentioned many times, that you always start a treatment with this fact, the allness of God. There is no other presence or power but God. And you end it with that. And you maybe pick, take up some things in the middle <laughs> to handle the animal magnetism that might seem to be present. But it's definitely this idea, there is nothing else. And I, I like in Big Dal Young, God is individual consciousness, where he says, God with us does the healing work. Handle as though God has descended from heaven and said, I will heal this case. And, and then realizing your rights and fulfilling your mission. So, God definitely will heal. Yeah, because... Really, how would we know how to heal? <laughs> I mean, you know, God is the one. Okay, go ahead, Karen. Well, I was just going to say that in, when it says about the end, I am the practitioner and I, the mind is the practitioner and the patient. Um, I, since I, since coming here and doing these watches and making, being made more aware to work for the world, I see that, um, that is my practice. And so I am a practitioner, and my patient is the world. And so, you know, it just helped me also to see I, I can't see anything out there somewhere, whatever is presenting itself. Um, there's nothing but God right there. And it, it's been helping me to see these things that keep coming to our attention through the news or whatever. <laughs> Um, working for the weather, it's that, that's my practice. And so, um, you know, this applies to even those that aren't necessarily being called on the phone, you know, it applies to us too. Most definitely. And that, you know, I, I speak about that a lot. It, you are all practitioners. If you, if you're working in science, you are practicing Christian science, right? So therefore you are a practitioner. And uh, yeah, Mrs. Eddy has told someone if they didn't have anyone to pray for it, work for the birds and the animals. But yeah, the, the world is our, <laughs> should work for the world, definitely. There's so many things to pray about. And all of you should be. And, and I know some of you who do have people that call you for help. You know, friends or family, they call you for help. Well, and you should help them. Whether you're listed or not doesn't matter. If they're coming to you, that means you have the uh, the know-how to, to take care of it. Knowing that you are not the healer, but that God is. I think um, Kratz says uh, consciousness that heals is also very helpful. Is to pursue always to go forward daily with the consciousness that I am perfect, spiritual, eternal. And that really is overcoming the material sense of existence. And it's helpful. It makes you ready when somebody calls. Yes. Yeah. Uh, could I say something? Certainly. Sorry, it's so loud here. I'm sitting outside in the sun. Um, but it is so beautiful to see ourselves as being both the practitioner and the patient, and that we have this oneness 
uh, and not that we are separated from anything. I think it takes away that fear that sometimes tries to creep up. So thank you, everybody. Yes, thank you. And as as we've spoken about, you know, that is what enabled Christ Jesus in the um, chosen, you know, to be so peaceful and unflappable because he knew this so entirely. This wasn't about him. It wasn't about anybody else. It was just God, your oneness with God. So, Nancy, I'll let you start with your definition of real and unreal that you sent to me this week. Sure. Our business and death real. So I looked up real, actually being or existing, not fictitious or imaginary, and in law pertaining to things fixed, permanent, or immovable. And I looked up unreal, substantial, having appearance only. And that was from Webster's 1828. Thank you. Yeah, that's interesting. And then what did you say at the end? Well, at the end, I found in Science and Health, uh, Mrs. Eddy said, and I always love um, when we say it is written, the Bible declares that all things were made by him, the divine word, and without him was not anything made that was made. This is the eternal verity of divine science. If sin, sickness, and death were understood as nothingness, they would disappear. As vapor melts before the sun, so evil would vanish before the reality of good. One must hide the other. How important, then, to choose good as the reality. Man is tributary to God's spirit and to nothing else. End quote. So to me, that says it all. I can choose to believe that which is nothingness, non-existent, a thing of no value, or I can believe that which is fixed, permanent, immovable, harmonious, and eternal, the reality of good, God's spirit. Thank you. This story, this Easter story, is so rich with very, very, very deep lessons, which some of which I want to touch on today some of all of which I'm sure we've talked about in times past, but it's always good to go over it again and be reminded. Um, it's so, it's so important that we feel like we're, we're there really. Remember what does Mrs. Eddie say that the disciples really didn't get it until what? After Jesus raised himself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So deeply, deeply ask yourself, do you know this to be the truth? Do you have any doubts about it? Or, you know, is it just a story you read, but you haven't taken it into your heart, soul, and mind? Because it will change your world. It will rock your world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even, even to just a small degree, if you can really, really get it, that this happened three days in the tomb, and the fact that it happened means that it's possible. Yes. Because impossibilities don't happen. And it has happened since where people... Many, many people have been brought back from the dead. That says a lot. But all that he went through and all the lessons that he teaches us in this experience is just so um, astounding, awesome. All right, Linda, what did you say to me? I wrote about the responsive reading, which was, Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. And I just the idea of everlasting strength really struck me, and it reminded me of, uh, it seemed to coordinate with last week's uh, roundtable where you, we worked on the idea that we're not victim or to shun that victim role. And part of uh, feeling of a victim is thinking that your strength could be sapped or there was a, there was a power opposed to God. And I came across a, a quote by Gilbert Carpenter in the precepts where he's, uh, I'll, shall I read it? Um, it's, he's talking about the importance of handling animal magnetism. Quote, before this missionary work can be carried out successfully, 
the deterrent of animal magnetism must be handled. Once a student complained to her practitioner that she could not handle animal magnetism. He asserted that God had given her the power to resist the devil with the promise in the Bible that if she would do so, it would flee from her. He told her not to believe that she was or could be a victim of this evil, since she was she had within her grasp, through her faithful demonstration of Christian science, the ability to resist and overcome all suggestions of the carnal mind. David used this method with Goliath. That ponderous belief seemed deadly and powerful, yet David detected and demonstrated the nothingness of the enemy which he had to overthrow, end quote. So uh, it just was very clear to me more and ever that the strength is already there. It's handling the animal magnetism is what I need to do daily. Thank you, yes. And in that, um, you know, those pages 390 to 393, um, Take possession of your body and govern its feelings and action. Rise in the strength of spirit to resist all that is unlike good. God has made man. God has made you capable of this. And nothing can vitiate the ability and power divinely bestowed on man. You have to know this and not think of yourself as some weak, helpless mortal. But you do have this power with God. And... It's because God is all, all strength, all power, you have all the strength available to you. We just need to know it and then, and then put it into practice and then handle the opposition that says, no, you don't. I think this is why Jesus uh, would go away. He said uh, in the closing, we see often he said, "I'm I'm going to pray," or in the Bible too, of course. Um, he went to to reinforce for himself, I'm sure, this oneness with God, this unity, this indestructible unity, and which gives him the strength and the power to walk through all the chaos and 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 yet be. A sea of glass within. It's Thank beautiful to me. Thank you. Thank you. It's very important. Um, again, another, a couple of things, again, from God is Individual Consciousness by Bicknell Young. All power is in God, which is my individual consciousness. Therefore, my experience, whether it is the experience of my health, home, companionship, business, supply, all of it is my own state of consciousness unfolding. As all power is given unto me, all power exists at the standpoint of God. If I entertain this truth in consciousness, this consciousness manifests itself as what appears to be improved person, place, thing, or condition. No experience can come to me except as the unfolding of my own consciousness. When I realize that all is God unfolding and disclosing himself, then the experiences I attract to me are on the level of this realization. There is no use in blaming people for any error in my experience. There is no use in blaming any circumstance or condition or thinking that it was something over which I had no control. This goes back to last week's lesson. The real blame is at the door of ignorance of this truth. So there is not much excuse to go on and on, year in and year out, allowing the domination of person, place, or thing. Isn't that wonderful? He also says, which I love too, in the same article, Peace Be Still is addressing universal belief of a disturbed thought. He makes the point when Jesus is out on the waves and he's saying, peace be still. He's not really addressing the waves or even the fear of the disciples. He's addressing the belief of a disturbed thought. To a universal belief 
of a mind apart from God to a universal belief of inner and outer conditions. This is in the way what Linda was saying. You are addressing the animal magnetism that says these things, these beliefs, the universal beliefs. That's what you're getting to. Because what is what do we know? Evil is neither person, place, nor thing. It's not actually the storm. It's a universal belief that something is out of control. It's, it's the animal magnetism. It's the mortal mind. It's always that. That is the culprit. And that's so wonderful in, in Eustace's writings, too. He always brings it out. He always handles the malicious animal magnetism. So, so remember that. These are beliefs. I told you a while ago about that story. Um, it's a book. That woman... No, I think she was Indian. She lives in China. Do you remember her name, Linda? Um, M A. Anita Morin. Yeah. Well, I guess it doesn't, yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter. Dying to be me. Yeah, dying to be me. Dying to be me. Thank you. So yes, yeah, she okay. seemed to have this cancer belief. All the doctors said so. It. She died from it, and then saw her father. And father said, your, your mission's not done yet. Go, go back and live your life courageously. So she came back, and the doctors were amazed because there was no cancer, and they had all these pictures and everything of it. There was not, no sign of it. She was in intensive care, and she was so happy and laughing, they had to take her out of there. <laughs> <laughs> You're disturbing the other people. <laughs> And, and, you know, she eventually gained all her strength and weight and everything back. But what she said, and I found this so fascinating because this is what Mrs. Eddy says. She said it wasn't the cancer that killed her. It was her beliefs, her beliefs, her erroneous beliefs. What do you believe in? And her fear. And her fear of them. Yes. And that's why her father said, live your life courageously. That's what God spoke to Moses, right? And to Joshua. Be courageous. In other words, trust God with all your heart. Yes. This is all so important um, to understand. So ask yourself, what are your what are your beliefs? What are you afraid of? Because that's what you have to get to. You don't need to pass on and then realize, oh, shoot. where She said she wanted to heal him before he died and realized that it didn't kill him. And that he- Thank you. <laughs> That's and one. He, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I, um, I've, I've written a couple of articles on this, the resurrection. And one one is um, about there is no power other than God. And what Jesus said to Pilate when Pilate said, don't you know I have the power over you to kill you or to release you? And so what was Jesus' reply? Thou could have said no power over me except they were given me from above. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And so that is what you say when any kind of error tries to get to you. You have no power over me unless it comes to you from God. And there you stand, so help you God. And I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a boss, a husband, a doctor. If, if, it's, if it's not from God, it has no power over you unless you what? Give it the power. Error comes to you for life and you give it all the life it has. Yes. This is one of the huge lessons from this resurrection story. Because 
Jesus knew this without a doubt. You could scourge him. You could do whatever you wanted to. You could hate him. You could throw him all over the place. And then you could crucify him. But, honey, <laughs> you have no power over me, and I'm going to prove it. And he was an everlasting victory over the hate, the all of that, all of the carnal mind. And it is an example for us if we can demonstrate it in the smallest amount or the largest. And, you know, it's that thought that the resurrection power is with us today. That same power, it hasn't gone anywhere, right? That's why his resurrection is our resurrection. And we should be light years ahead of his disciples when he was around, you know, when he was teaching them. They were getting something revolutionary, and it required his resurrection and ascension for them to begin to get it. And here we have it. So we have no excuse for not getting it. <laughs> we have no excuse, yes. And um, Mrs. Eddy has told us in Science and Health, the God principle is omnipresent and omnipotent. God is everywhere, and nothing apart from him is present or has power. So, I yes, go ahead. Sure. I think it's really appropriate Um Back in 1980, there was a belief that I was in a fire, and uh, it was a belief that I was dead. And my grandmother somehow felt she needed to go to the U.S., to San Francisco, and she came. And my father, who was a Christian scientist, too, had given up because the doctors had said she's gone. And my grandmother said, in every language she knew, you are God's perfect child. There's only life. And she talked to me into waking up and just like Anita Mojani experienced, uh, I heard a voice, it's time to go back. And I was thinking about an issue I'm going through right now. And when you talk about the resurrection, I was just feeling such gratitude that listening was had to be spiritual. This all had to come from God. It came from nothing else. And so I'm very grateful to be in this meeting and I'm very grateful that I'm now learning to understand the grammar of Christian science, really, slowly but surely. Thank you very much. It's a beautiful healing, yes. And and it's been proven. We all know it in the Century of Christian Science healing in our own church, the wonderful healings that transpire. It works. It's powerful. And we must focus on that. On the on the enduring the good and the true. Now, there was something else that was very interesting in an article that um, Carrie sent me, and it was about Herod. And it is a you know the darker part of the story. All of you know about Herod, what he was horrible king. Yeah, debauched. Debauched, yes, and he was very fearful of of who is this other king they're talking about, and he had all those babies murdered, and it was just one story after the next. Um, and in this article, The Leaven of Herod, 1915 journal, in the eighth chapter of Mark's Gospel, we read that the Master charged the disciples to take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. You know, I don't remember that. That's interesting. Hmm. Anyway, Bible students are generally familiar with Jesus' caution to beware of the doctrines of the scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees and have a more or less accurate knowledge of the mental and moral characteristics of these sects against which he warned them. But many may not be so conversant with this single reference to the leaven of Herod. The meaning of the word leaven, according to the dictionary, is to affect in character anything that by pervading influence works a general change or fermentation. Hence, the leaven of Herod was an unseen influence which, if taken into thought, 
would change or adulterate Jesus' spiritual teaching and the student of today. If he is to eliminate this leaven from his own character building, he must guard his thought against the influence which made Herod the notable example of his time. Now, I know that we all say, well, that would never apply to me, but that's not a very good thing to say. Um, we've also, Carpenter speaks about it a lot. I didn't bring that today, but about the Judas thought, you know, because of greed and other things turned against the Christ. And I mean, look what happened to Mrs. Eddy. And these were supposedly good workers, right? The neck friend suit, all that they've done and all that they still are doing that turned on her. So please don't say it'll never happen. It's been happening. It continues to happen. And yeah. we must be aware of it. It's good to ponder how you would abuse power. That's for sure. Yes. He makes us the unwise shepherd. Yes. Not looking circumspectly all around. Thank you. And that was one of the points from the way that you read last week. Know yourself. Know yourself. Know yourself. If inside there's this thing churning of envy, envy's the big one. You're envious of what others have or what they do or what you think they are. That's that you're you're entertaining something very dangerous. It's not some little simple thing. This is why we say to clear your clear your slate every day. And then it talks about how um, Jesus knew Herod's deadly malice and sly cunning, instigated by fear of, of arrival to his crime, crown. Mortal mind, which is always the real culprit, was plotting in secret and was using the agency of politics. Jesus answered to Pharisees, to the Pharisees, makes this plain. Jesus says to them, go ye and tell that fox. Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. For it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. End quote. And I do remember that. He called Herod a fox. <laughs> Jesus rightly characterized one who degraded himself by playing the part of a base intriguer. Someone has said of him, quote, not daring to show the teeth of the lion, he uses the tricks of the fox. Now, don't we see that today? Yes. In space. Mm -hmm. Big time. There is a very definite lesson to be learned from this example of a whole populace. You see, then they got the whole populace turning against him. Everybody. Kill him, kill him, crucify him, right? His blood and our yes. children, too. They were willing yes. to put the blood on their children. They, they were so convinced they were right and, and so convinced that they wanted to save their authority. Yeah. A whole, a whole populace being caught in a contagious maelstrom of purposeful human hate and made to assume responsibility for an infamous crime designatedly forced uh, upon it by evil mental and political action. In miscellaneous writings, our wise leader, Mrs. Eddy, sounds this note of warning. Christian scientist. She doesn't say Catholics. She doesn't say somebody else. She says Christian scientists cannot watch too sedulously or, or bar their doors too closely or pray to God too fervently for deliverance from the claims of evil. Thus doing, scientists will silence evil suggestions, uncover their methods, and stop their hidden influence upon the lives of mortals. End quote. In this exposition of the character of Herod, mur murderous cruelty, political craftiness, dishonesty, deceit, and intrigue, all combined in an effort to accomplish the destruction of truth's human representative cloaking its deadly purpose under the demand of public opinion. After having fomented, fomented mm -hmm. public opinion by playing upon the most violent, 
of mortal passions. It's going on. You better be watchful and we better do our work to neutralize this error that seems it's part of part of the human mind, part of animal magnetism. And then it is thus clear that the leaven of Herod stands for the fermenting subtleties of the wicked carnal mind, its pomps and vanities, its love of place and power, its plotting intrigue and crafty malice, its love of social preferment and political might, its deadly cruelty and destructiveness. Jesus could not have stated more tersely to his followers their need to take heed and beware of its pervading influence, which would change and destroy his teachings and prevent the demonstration of Christian healing. Yet there is no cause to fear it, for while pointing out its subtle poison, he also gave us the antidote for which it is found in the leaven of truth, hid in three measures of meal, or as we read in Science and Health, three modes of mortal thought, namely science, theology, and medicine. Here, Mrs. Eddy tells us that this leaven of truth is ever at work. It must destroy the entire mass of error and be eternally glorified in man's spiritual freedom. This is why she says to get signs and health out. It's a leaven of truth at work. That whole chapter, theology, medicine, science. It is, and it is working. It is working. It's it is working, working through it who are working it. But, you know, we have to ask ourselves, we, we have to know ourselves well enough to know whether we are actually working it or whether we're just pretending. Because this is, the devil is subtle and the devil is working 24-7. And if you're exposing yourself to work and not them, what well, will happen? They will handle you. Yeah. And, you. and you'll be deceived by the mass mesmerism that goes on. Uh, and and the, we know the news media is... is it's nothing but mass mesmerism. Yeah. And that's why the less you listen to it, you need to know what's going on, but don't let it take you in and get where you are, um, you know, on that side that's screaming whatever, kill him, crucify him, because <laughs> that's how it works. And it, it will work through politics. And and most importantly, what it do, is doing to the Christian science movement and Mrs. Eddy, that's what's the important thing, to get that, to get that, to destroy it, to get us in a country where we can't practice Christianity anymore. That's That's what it's doing as people sleep. So we mustn't, and there's nothing to fear because, goodness, after we just talked about it, there's nothing but God anyway. So there's nothing to fear but our own hand raised against us. But we must be willing for the battle and be willing to give ourselves wholly and irrevocably. To doff our lavender kid gloves. Yes. Yes. So this is what Jesus was up against. And it's an important lesson. So we have the first lesson about knowing that the allness of God. We have this lesson about knowing how the arrow would try to work. And the third, a very most important lesson is forgiveness. Because any any anytime I hear anybody complaining or saying, you know, that they can't forgive anybody, all I have to do is think of Jesus Christ. Yeah, you only harm yourself. You can't forgive them. I mean, he even said it on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But well, you're not letting go of the material sense of your patient. That's right. Correct. That's right. Nothing gives more spiritual freedom than that, really. That's right. very, very true. And and he warned you know, he warned his disciples. He told them what to expect. And he said, and then he said, but don't worry. He said, because I have overcome the world. 
And we can too. That is the whole point. To overcome the whole world with the truth, with our spiritual reality. Yeah, and then we'll just swallow up all of this, the Adam dream. It'll just be swallowed up. God's law reaches and destroys evil by virtue of the allness of God. Mm -hmm. No and yes, page 30. God's law reaches and destroys evil by virtue of the allness of God. That one statement, you know, sometimes when we're told to do, you know, have a moment of prayer for the world, that's what I work with. It's amazing. One statement, one sentence. Now, I wrote also this it's article called The Power of Forgiveness. I'm just going to share the first part of it. I heard a true story recently about a Christian woman who had been diagnosed with a terminal disease. Her doctor sent her home from the hospital, not giving her much longer to live. This woman turned to her Bible and opened Mark 11. What things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. And when ye stand praying, forgive if ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. In deep prayer, she asked God to help her forgive anyone who had ever wronged her and to heal her of any resentment she might carry in her heart. She then asked God to forgive her for anyone she might have harmed. She also wrote letters to these people saying how sorry she was for ever having caused any unhappiness in their lives and humbly asking their forgiveness. Upon doing this, she felt a deep peace come over her. Joy filled every fiber of her being. In the days to follow, she woke up every morning thanking God for his goodness and praising him for giving her life and health and all good things. In a matter of time, she was completely healed, much to her doctor's utter amazements. Forgiveness is a quality of God and carries with it a mighty strength and power. So if you've worked hard and long on something, you might consider this. And and sometimes when you've been doing something for so long, you don't even know. You can say, oh, I don't hate anybody. I often hear that. I don't hate anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't like them. Yeah. And, and we know that story. Mrs. Evans told, said her wonderful practitioner, Nana's, Richie said, well, if you don't like them, then you hate them. <laughs> There's no indifference, right? <laughs> yeah, right? There's no middle ground. So another huge important lesson from this story. If he had, if Christ Jesus had not forgiven, he couldn't have been raised. He had no anger, animosity. He totally forgave. And we must, too. No excuses. I don't care if you have all the reason in the world not to forgive somebody. Jesus had all the reason in the world not to forgive these people. A lot more reason than I'm sure you do. And yet he still forgave. I, it doesn't matter what's been done to you. You leave it all to God. He'll take care of it. And anyone who has been truly, truly evil, I'll say that, have that belief of that, they will come to not a good end until they change their ways. I think if you can really impersonalize the evil, though, you know, that's how you forgive it. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of like sometimes when I'm working on forgiveness, I, I think about, well, it's, it's almost like something's taken over that person. It's not them. And it's like, it's kind of like, it's just like when you feel compassion for someone who's struggling with a disease, Obviously, they didn't embrace the disease. You know, There's, no one asked for that to come in. And I don't think it's any different when you're going after what seems to be like, you know, an evil person or someone who's wronged you or someone that just is, you know, doing something that's not right. It's they've been handled and, you know, have compassion on the fact that they got that they seem to be handled. Well, that's absolutely right. And that goes back to what we talked about earlier. It is not person, place, or thing. It is always animal magnetism, you know, showing forth as this. Um, but still, if you're hanging on a cross and all of this stuff, it can be very hard to impersonalize it all. Um, but yes, that is, that is the task before you. 
And certainly Jesus did not have a problem with that. And wow. we can and we can pity those who have had such a hard life that they would harbor those kinds of thoughts and and commit those kinds of deeds that are that are repulsive, that are evil. And and not and not um, hang the evil on the person. And truly, it is the only way you can forgive. It, because if you if you don't do that, it's impossible to forgive. And as as Mrs. Eddy, as we talked about last week in her article of your enemies, how can you have an enemy unless you first form him in your own thought? So it goes back to you, what you're harboring, what you're seeing, um, and is, you've got to cleanse yourself of it. And you can. If, if Christ Jesus could, if Mrs. Eddy could, she's the other example, never hated. She says that. She says that in loving your enemies. I would love anyone who has hated me. But again, it, it's, it's a belief. Again, let me go back to that, the belief of that there's a universal belief of hatred, of, of as Mishaela read on Wednesday night, this, is it called fratricide, or that we kill our, want to kill our brother? That's all a universal belief. Yeah. It's the Adam dream. And then finally, and most importantly, we have to get to is his, his the lesson that there is no death, right? He proved once and for all there is no such thing as death. And that article that I love so much by Eustace on our website called There Is No Death of the story of the woman whose husband passed on, and this I think was Eustace's secretary, and he came back to tell her. I came back to tell you there's no death. <laughs> The worry. Everything's okay. And um, he continues by saying, I can't do it again. I must go and not come back again. And she asked, will you see our friend die? He said, she never left you. Will you see your mother? He replied, I've already talked to her. Then he tried to tell me how wonderful it was, but I could not understand. He asked me to promise him two things. One was, do not grieve. Because there is no separation. And the other, do not be offended by anyone, for they do not know you as you really are. If they did, they would love you. Now, there again, those are powerful statements. But we must embrace them and understand them. And it reminds me of what Mrs. Eddy says in Science and Health um, on page 386, a blundering dispatch mistakenly announces the death of a friend occasions the same grief that that friend's real death would bring. You think that your anguish is, is occasioned by your loss. Another dispatch correcting the mistake heals your grief, and you learn that your suffering was merely the result of your belief. As it is with all sorrow, sickness, and death, you will learn at length that there is no cause for grief and divine wisdom will then be understood. Error, not truth, produces all the suffering on earth. I know that's easier said than done when you when someone has passed on from your sight, but you can comfort yourself. There's no death. There's no separation. And you certainly will see that person again. Um, and the final, or one of the final lessons from this, story of the resurrection is victory victory you are the victors not the vanquish victory no matter what happens no matter how bad it's going to be or seems to be at the moment there will be victory the understanding the overcoming of it all and so we're going to end on this sweet story that carrie sent about truth always triumphs this is from a 1919 sentinel and it's by addie towns arnold one night last winter, while struggling to rise above an acute phase of an illness which had lingered for several days, and when the moment of victory still seemed a long way off, there came out of the gloaming, in a most helpful way, an incident remembered from childhood days. During the Civil War, there was in New Hampshire a stage route of about 25 miles, 
running from a small farming locality to a certain city. At that time, newspapers were more expensive and less plentiful than at present. So the coming of the stage was the event of the day. All the men and boys would go to the tavern where the stage driver put up for the night to hear the war news. The boys would often run out to meet him, shouting, What news today? The driver, who was a sturdy northerner, would rise in his high seat on top of the stage and holding the reins in one hand and swinging the paper high above his head in the other, would cry at the top of his voice, Victory! Victory! repeating this many times. <clears throat> then he would drive on, leaving the youngsters to run after him, shouting the same. Whichever way the battle had gone, it was always a victory with him. <laughs> the men used to say, it is no use to ask him for a different answer. It is victory anyhow. <laughs> Although the experience here related was not based upon the understanding of principle, the recalling of the incident brought to the writer fresh inspiration and showed her the need of having more faith in the principle of healing revealed in our textbook, Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures by Mary Baker Eddy. The rules given in this book for practical demonstration are available for all and have been proved for the last 30 years in the writer's family. Systematic study also intelligent and persistent mental work, destroyed in every case the false sense which had been entertained in thought and proved that we can rise in the strength of spirit to resist all that is unlike good. God has made man capable of this, and nothing can vitiate the ability and power divinely bestowed on man. Science and Health. With a fresh effort, in a few days, victory was won. And each experience proved to be a step higher, showing that the words of Christ Jesus are for us today as truly as when he bade his followers heal the sick and reform sinners. Christian science is teaching us to open our thought to the voice of truth, to listen and trust the divine leading, that others may see the way and be led to the ever-present Christ. In the prophecy of Isaiah, we read, Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Victory. So, thank you all for joining us today, and a happy, blessed Easter to you all.